Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie and I am excited to have you here with us this afternoon along with our guest today, Patricia Board of BenchPressingFaith.com. You are in for a fun ride today, and I'm so excited to be introducing Patricia to you as well as sharing her background, uh, which is uh, diverse and is going to just really uh, help us to understand a little bit more about how God works through us in whatever he has called us to do. During this next hour, you're going to discover three strategies for a successful career, how using Amos's plumb line can help establish your integrity, four approaches for leading people, the most powerful three-letter word to have in your vocabulary, four steps to doing God's will, how to focus on process over performance, how to use infinity formula for personal development, and five indispensable safe lessons. Patricia Board is a published author, speaker, and competitive power lifter. She founded Collect Seeds Ministries, LLC, and dedicates her life to sharing the impact God's love has had on her own life. You can learn more about her over at benchpressingfaith.com. Welcome to you, Patricia. Oh, thank you for having me, Marnie. I'm so excited to be here today. <laughs> and I'm excited to have you here. When you registered with um, womenspeakers.com and I was reading your bio, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you have Yeah, it's a little kind a... of crazy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love it. You know, and I just love how God just puts all of us all over in every different kind of situation and circumstance. You know, I, there's ministries that just are ministering to the, the, the actors and actresses in Hollywood. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of, he's got us just all over everywhere. And he has placed your um, beautiful heart in the FBI as well as, you know, in the bench pressing world and the powerlifting world, which is just awesome. I think that's so much fun. And you're actually here to share some success strategies with us from your perspective, what God has taught you over the years. And maybe before you do that, just real quickly, when did you come to know Christ? How old were you? Well, I was actually baptized at a very, very young age. I was raised with Christ in my life. Um, I was raised Catholic. I went to 12 years of Catholic education. But it really wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I really established a good relationship with him, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and, and I was blessed with a lot of things in that um, – he actually came to me in my dreams and spoke out loud to me in my room, and I was kind of like, where am I going with this, or where or rather are you taking me with this? But just like the good father that he is, he's so patient with us, and he just gives us a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time, you know, and that is one of the most amazing things that I just love about God how he just gives us one little seed, and the next thing you know, he's given us two or three, and he's so gentle and patient with us, and that is just amazing. Yeah, it really is, and I love how, I love, like you said, how personal he is. It's not just like one size fits all at all. It is so personal, and he just carries us forward, and he he gives us hugs that only we could appreciate and all that. So that's so cool. Well, let's go ahead and dive into our uh, content for today because I'm excited to hear what you have to share. And we wanted to start with some success strategies. Uh, you had three of them especially that you wanted to share with us today. Yeah, I, I believe that the very first um, success strategy is really foundational. And it, and it may be um, – uh, a common sense to a lot of people, but I don't think a, a lot of people either just really articulate it or think about it. And that mm-hmm. is, what do you want your name to represent? Mm-hmm. What does what does the name board or like my maiden name Cernic? What do I want that to be in the world? 
You know, I remember growing up and my father would say to us, uh, my brother and I, time after time after time, you need to think about your behavior. You need to think Mm -hmm. about what Cernic represents in the world because your name in this world is the only thing you can carry with you. Hmm. You know, do you want yeah. it, do you want it to stand for integrity? Do you want it to uh stand for um all the good things in the world? So it's kind of like um what what adjectives do you want to be um associated with your name? I mean, you know, one of the adjectives that are associated with mine is pass a straight shooter. <laughs> You know, I've, right. grown, I've, grown, I've grown to right. love that and embellish that, you know, right. and and sometimes they're, they're common sense, but yet I don't think a lot of people think of them anymore, you know. I mean, simple things like what is your work ethic? What is your attitude? How timely are you? You know, are you mm-hmm. one of those people that are habitually late? You know, when I worked for the FBI, that was one of my pet peeves you know, about being habitually late. Um, Mm. I think the next thing that people need to think about is we always have to be willing to learn new things. Always learn new things. Throughout my career, I had many opportunities to learn things. And I valued and treasured them. And, you know, what I found as the years in the FBI went on and on, those things that I learned five, six, seven years ago would crop up and be beneficial to me later on, even though when I was learning them, I, I didn't realize that. And the last thing is don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. How <laughs> else can how else can we bloom um, and blossom? I mean, I'm not saying be reckless. Please, I mean, I'm not right. saying to be no, reckless, right. but 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 step out into something that's a little uncomfortable for you. And I was always encouraging my subordinates to do that. I remember I had a gal, you know, I had uh, nudged her, as I called it. I kept nudging her um, to do some of her classes um, via technology. In this case, it was broadcast. And later on, about six or seven months later, she told me that I really had pushed her. And I didn't think Mm -hmm. I had, but she said, you pushed me out of my comfort zone. She said, I didn't want to do it, but she said, I'm so glad I did. You know, so keep that for yourself, too. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Oh, those are really good. Going back to the first one, you know, what do I want my name to represent? I'm thinking that your dad probably had a a corner on the branding idea way before it became a thing. (laughs) Oh, probably. What is your brand? And, what is he? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And he was the son of Polish immigrants. You know, all he had was yeah. his, name. his name. You know, his right. parents came here; right. they couldn't speak English, and so that was of paramount importance. And I just remember that, and and I'm glad he taught us that because that is what I conveyed to my son. You know, what does your last yeah. name going to stand for? Right. Yeah, and it is true. It's true that when you think of when when I think of anyone, when I think of different people, I think of particular things. I think of them as, you know, trustworthy or not so much. You know, you know. So it's true that, but it is very important. You have something that you call Amos's plumb line that you use to establish integrity. What is what is that? Well, in the Bible, in Amos chapter seven, verses seven and eight. Um, God showed Amos a vision where he was standing by a wall and he was holding a plumb line. And God said to Amos, he said, what do you see? And he says, well, I see a plumb line. And, and God said, yes, the plumb line is straight. And God says, what I want you to understand is I'm going to test my people according to this plumb line. In other words, what are the what where is your integrity? Where's your boundary line? What is good? What is poor behavior? And so um it it is the plumb line is really your ethics. Where is your boundary? Are you willing to sacrifice your ethical beliefs, your boundaries for professional success? And I guarantee you, in the thirty one and a half years I was in the FBI that 
every single leader in that organization faced that at least once in their lives, if not many times. Mm -hmm. Not that the people Mm -hmm. in the FBI are bad people. They're not. They're wonderful people. And I I consider it an honor and a privilege to work with each and every one of them. But these are just life issues on personal levels, dealing with personalities, you know, like any other organization. And so you have to decide, you know, are you going to put your boundary in sand? Are you going to draw that line in the sand where you can keep erasing it and changing it? Or are you going to engrave it in some granite? Mm-hmm. Where it's there. And, 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 you know, it's interesting. I just read a devotional last night and um, the, the writer of the devotional was quoting another writer whom he didn't identify. And he says, you don't really have to be like the world to have an impact on the world. You don't have to be like the crowd to change the crowd. You Mm -hmm. don't have to lower yourself down to them to lift them up. So you, each individual person, has to decide where that boundary is. And sometimes it's scary on some things to to take a stand on something. It could be very, very major. You know, I had to do that um, in the FBI on a particular item, and um, it was significant. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but... I actually had to file a class action lawsuit against the FBI for EEO, mm-hmm. for equal employment opportunity, not because I wanted to, mm-hmm. but because of what was right. Yeah. You know, and, well, I, and I'm happy you know, to we say go, that I was to, successful. You go back to Daniel, the story of Daniel, you know, and he, he ends up in the lion's den. So it's like when you stand up for right, sometimes right. it doesn't go what appears to be right. But, you know, God, God's got us, and that's, that's the most important thing. We're going to take a short little break here and come back and talk about four approaches for leading people, as well as the most powerful three-letter word to have in your vocabulary. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring nearly 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range some near you. It's all available to you 24 hours a day, so you can start your most enjoyable speaker search anytime you have time. Search by location, name, topic, or fee range. Connect directly with the speakers you like using their social media links or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connection place since 2002. Speaker profiles include a bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. It's all fast, fun, and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out right now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and you're joining us at Marnie's Friends. Our guest today, Patricia Bird, is a speaker over at womenspeakers.com. She also has a website called benchpressingfaith.com. Patricia, welcome back, and I'd like us to address now four approaches for leading people. And I always say, you know, I say everybody's a leader. Somebody's looking at you. No matter what you're doing, there's somebody younger or somebody less experienced or somebody that is watching your life and is learning from you whether you know it or not. And then sometimes we get set into these leadership positions where all of a sudden people acknowledge, okay, these people are all following you, so you better <laughs> you better lead well because all these people are supposed to follow you. So what are your four approaches for leading people? Um, first and foremost, you have to communicate with people. You have to keep the lines of communication open. I mean, even if you're not in a position to share all of the detailed information that you have, you can at least share that much with them. Hey, folks, you know, I'm working with management on X, Y, Z, uh, we're coming up with some strategies. I can't tell you where we're going, um, but I want you to know that I'm keeping your best interests at heart. I'm doing everything I can to represent, mm. you know, to represent everything. Um, but, you know, you've got to communicate with people. It's a two-way street and encourage your people to talk to you. Um, communication is a key, absolutely key. And I think a lot of times uh, bumps in the road in terms of personal relationships can be you know, nipped in the bud if you address a communication issue right at the beginning. Because you and yeah. I both know that when something goes unsaid, it turns into a boil. 
Well, and I think the other thing on the communication side, too, is to, you know, what I found is just go right back to the source instead of going with what people are telling you is going on, to, to dig down and mm-hmm. communicate with the person who's in the center of the gossip or whatever it is. And, and it, so many times there's nothing there. It's, it's a mirage. It's just it's something that there was a good reason for. And if you hadn't, if you hadn't pursued the communication back to the source, you, you would have never known that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So many things could be mitigated very quickly if you just address them right away. The other thing is I really don't believe that there, are such, that there is such a thing as a bad employee or a bad person. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that a person's behavior may be inappropriate or may not be optimal, but they are not bad in and of themselves. Um, you know, I work very hard to try to separate um, a person from their behavior. Now, it's not always easy. You know, I mean, as long as we have blood coursing in our veins, we're going to have that human part just pulling us back and forth. But, but, but isn't that what loving others is all about, is trying to separate who they are, knowing that God loves that person just as much as he loves you? And, and if an employee needs some development, you know, if you don't, if, excuse me, if their behavior isn't appropriate, well, you know, those are developmental opportunities. Work with that person. Now, granted, it's a two-way street. The person has to be willing to do that. But if you go into it with the understanding that there's no such thing as a bad, bad person or a bad employee, you've already made that person successful. Um, I also like to create opportunities for subordinates to grow and develop. You know, give them a chance to go out and do something creative within their realm, within their circle of influence. You know, um, they love showing what they can do with X, Y, Z. Now, granted, sometimes we have parameters and we have strategic goals and plans and objectives that we have to adhere to, but the leader's job is to keep them focused on those goals while giving them opportunities to grow and development, to grow Mm -hmm. and develop, rather. And lastly, don't ever, ever, ever throw your employee under the bus. If If an employee does something that causes a ripple, you need to stand up and take it for that employee. Um, I, I'm a real big advocate of that. I, I don't ever like to see that. I don't, you know, I don't like it to happen to me. Right. You know, so why would I, if I don't like that behavior, why would I try to do it on someone else? You know, that will yeah. um, gain you a lot of respect from employees if you're willing to stand up and take a little knock on the chin for them. Yeah. I, along those lines, too, I think you know, that public correction of someone is very difficult for people to handle, too. It's kind of the same thing. You've got, you've got a room full of people, and you select one person out to make a point of, uh, which I think is what you're saying anyway about throwing somebody under the bus, but, you know, that, that's very tempting for us to do, to just call people out right in front of other people, and, boy, that's hard on, hard on employees. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, when, it was done to, you know, when it was done to me periodically, it was hard on me. You know, Absolutely. and you go back to do unto others. You know, why don't do that to them? Yeah, you ready for the three most to, powerful words? Not, yeah, not quite yet. I want to go back to number two. Um, there's, you know, no bad people. I think that I think that the one thing when I when we first bought the restaurant, I kept thinking, why are they so rebellious? <laughs> <laughs> which is just a naive way for a leader to think about things not going right. But um, I remember learning that there's so many reasons why people aren't doing what you ask, and only one of them is that they're being just really rebellious. But the other reasons include things like the job is too hard. Uh, the way that you have it set up is not going to work on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. It's just too difficult mm-hmm. to actually do it that way. Another one is that you've got the wrong person in the wrong position. I mean, the right person in the wrong position. So you have a position, but this person you have in it just simply isn't capable of doing that consistently well. And so that you have to look to maybe put them in a different position or whatever. But what I had gone into, I had gone into leadership and management at the, in the restaurant believing that um, either they would do it or they wouldn't do it, and it was that simple. And so it was really helpful for me to understand, you know, it's not that simple. You have many variables here 
get to the bottom of why they're not doing what needs to be done instead of just looking at it as, you know, this person is being a bad person, a bad employee. Oh, absolutely. And and I hit that several times during my career. Um, I kind of had a track record of building and fixing programs, you know. And when I was going in, primarily when I was uh, asked to fix different things, different programs or processes, um, many times there were one or two people that were in critical positions that were really had not grown with the position or were misassigned. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, yeah. just did, they just didn't have the ability to do it. They were wonderful employees. They were great people, but they, they could be successful somewhere else. And it was my job as the manager right. and the leader to identify that and then move them into something that would enable them to be successful. Right, right. And I remember, I remember first this just hit home to me so much. We had met Wes Stafford, who was at the time over Compassion uh, International, and he was basically raising a million children. Um, you know, he had all of his staff and through all these people, all these, oh, now he was raising a million children. And that's what he said. He said some of the hardest decisions he had to make were taking friends, really awesome people out of their positions because it just wasn't a good fit. But after he did it, he was so glad that he had done it because it made everything else flow more smoothly. Uh, So let's go now. What is the most powerful three-letter word to have in our vocabulary? I am curious what it is. Well, before I tell you, I did ask my husband this question, and he just looked at me like, I don't know. <laughs> but the most powerful three-letter word is the word why, W-H-Y. There is so much power in that word if you keep asking the question, why? Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Why are you redoing this? Why are we not doing this? You know, and and sometimes on the recipient's part of receiving that question, that one letter word, that three letter word question, they can get very frustrating because you're asking them essentially to, you know, dig down, dig down, get to the root. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And inevitably, you will find your answers. And um, it's it's interesting. Um, in that I didn't realize that my son in his position has picked that up as well. He asked that question a lot. Why? Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. don't really recall talking to him about it, but you want to get down to the basics. And you know, Marnie, it's even applicable in God's word. Why is God Mm -hmm. asking us to do this? Why is God asking us to stay away from this? And that's where your Bible teachers come in, you know, and the scholars and your pastors. You know, there's nothing wrong with that word. It's a scary word, but it's a powerful word that packs a big bunch. Yeah, yeah. And it can be used negatively, too, when we go into the pity party, why me, why me, you know. And I I think Mm -hmm. always the best the best question to ask in response to that is why not you? <laughs> because if the disciples and Jesus and others in the Bible had to go through tough times, so why not you? But, um, but to go to just keep saying, okay, why are you, why are we doing this? Okay. Why are we doing it this way? But why this way? Yeah. But why that, you know, and to just keep, keep digging down. We will actually, what happens is we actually come up with some pretty amazing ways to do things better when we dig down to the bottom. We're going to take a short break, come back and talk about four steps to doing God's will as well as how to focus on process over performance. We'll be right back. Leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie. You're joining us today for Success Strategies with our guest, Patricia Board. She is um, an author, speaker, and competitive power lifter who formerly worked with the FBI, and we are excited to have her here today talking to us about success strategies that she's learned in her life. Her website is benchpressingfaith.com. Patricia, let's go ahead and dive into 
the four steps to doing God's will. And, you know, I remember um, years ago, and I would just get so frustrated because I couldn't figure out what God's will was. I'm like, just write it in the clouds, whatever it is, I'll do it, I'll do it, just write it in the clouds. <laughs> I remember kind of bashing my head against the wall emotionally with God, like, what are you calling me to do? Just tell me. And this was really frustrating for me until I understood, you know, God is about process and you know, he's going to show us, he's going to lead us, but it might be one step at a time. It's that, I like that uh, verse in, in Psalms, you know, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And if you think about a lamp or a light, it's not very much, not very much light out there. You can't see way the big picture all the time. You just have to take the next step. So what are some steps to helping us do God's will? I th- I think it it gets to the beginning and the beginning is l- learning to identify how God's voice sounds to you. What does his voice sound like to you? And and mm-hmm. over the course of my life, it, I mean it's different for everyone. But I love this. Yeah. But once you learn what his voice sounds like to you, then you will know that it's him who is speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And then you could say, well, you know, well, how do I know? How would I learn that? Well, we all have to get back to the basics and that spend time in his word. Spend time mm-hmm. in your Bible, in your Bible studies. Spend time with other Christians and with good, solid, biblical teachers. Because sometimes the din of everyday life just crowds out, clouds out his voice. And, and when, you, when you learn to understand or learn to listen to him, and if, in fact, every morning when I get up, I always say a prayer that he sensitizes my ears to his voice. Mm, because I want to make sure that I hear him. And and I and when when I hear him speak to me, I call those action nudges, because uh-huh. they're usually he wants usually wants me to do to do something for him. And one of the my first remembrances of doing that was I got this prompting when I was still working. Um, I remember an occasion when I had a subordinate in my office that it wasn't necessarily a good meeting. There were some things going on. And I got this great urge to ask that subordinate if she wanted to pray with me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's really going out on a limb, being a government employee. Yeah, including, <laughs> exactly. Including, including, you know, prayer and Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, in the workplace. But I took that step. And do you know that every single time, except once, the employee said yes. Mm-hmm. And when the one-time employee said no, they said, I won't pray, but you can pray for me. Mm. And so, you know, once you start confirming that you know what he sounds like, he's just going to give you something small and infrequent. And just like we talked about before, he gives us a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time, and then he gives us more and more. The other Mm. thing is, is what you believe God is asking you to, to do congruent with his word. In other words, is it living like Jesus? If you hear a voice that says, go rob a bank, Jesus isn't going to go tell you to rob a bank. But if you hear a voice that's asking you to do something that comes from the source of love, help somebody, hold a door for somebody, pick up for somebody, you you know, Mm -hmm. you know that that is Jesus speaking. And the most important part is to act. There has never, ever, ever been a time when I acted on God's voice that something bad occurred. That has never happened. And one of the things that I keep in mind is remember the time between when God puts it on your heart or asks you to do something or tells you to do something and the time that you do it, that time belongs to the devil. He's going to try to dissuade you from following through on what God is asking you to do. And, and, and in, that, in that action, always remember that sometimes God's will is simple. 
Um, there, there's a contemporary Christian song out there now by Josh Wilson, Dream Small. You know, and that hits the nail right. on the head. Sometimes you you get a prompting just just to give somebody a parking space that you really really wanted, or or to buy the person behind you in a cop uh, of the coffee that they're ordering. You don't know why God's asking you to do it, mm-hmm. but He knows why He needs you to do it. You don't know what's going on in that person's life, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not what you're doing for God. It's the fact that you are obeying him. That is the most important thing. I want to camp out here for a little bit, but can you sum up just the the top level of the four steps, just one, two, three, and four? Can you go through that? Yeah. So learn um, to identify God's voice. Yeah, learn what it sounds like. Listen for his voice. First you have to learn, then you have to listen. And is what he's asking you to do congruent with his words? And the last one is just act. Just do it. Mm. Just step out in faith. And I know it's scary. It's very scary. But you know what? I found that the more I act, the more I step out in faith, the easier it becomes, the less frightening it becomes. Right. You know, and the more you do it, the more he's going to give you to do. Yeah. Well, I love the, you know, I want to, I want to spend a little bit more time here because this is a, this is a huge question. Like when I go speak at conferences or stuff, this is a question that I get a lot. How do I know it's God? And one of the things that was most helpful for me, Patricia, it was um, a counselor of mine or a mentor of mine said, well, it's going to come through your mind sounding like you. So your spirit is down in the center of you somewhere, you know, kind of the Bible talks about your heart or the bowels of you or the center of you. And and the thought from the spirit comes up then through your mind, and it sounds much like your own voice. At least for most people, it sounds like your own voice. And so if you're having a thought of your own, if you're having a thought from the enemy, which he's feeding you from the outside and your mind is processing, or if you're having a thought from your inner spirit of God talking to you, um, a lot of times it sounds like the same voice. It sounds like your voice talking in your head. And so going back to, A, believing that God does want to speak to us, actually talk to us now. That That's a huge shift for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't really listening for God like that. They're reading their Bible, doing different things, and they would say, yeah, that song really spoke to me. Yeah, well, God really spoke to you through the song. So um, to listen for his voice. And then the second one is that, that congruent part, you know, I always say when you think about what you're being asked to do or what you're being prompted to do, is it coming from a motivation of love? It, you know, would you say, this is God's agape love happening here? I can't really see exactly how. Or would you say, like you said, rob a bank or something? You know, it's definitely not. So to just kind of have these these things established in your heart, first of all, God does want to talk to you. Second of all, he, he is talking to you. Third, you can be sure that it's him or almost sure that it's him based on the kind of input that you're receiving. And the other thing that happens a lot to me, and Patricia, I'm going to let you respond to this one, but a lot of times when God is speaking to me, it's a thought that I wouldn't have had. Like I'm minding my own business and all of a sudden the thought to call someone or reach out to someone or go do something different. Even one day there was a, I, I was, um, I was just doing something else and I, I was prompted to mow the lawn, but I had to go downtown. And so I just stopped what I was doing and I went out and I mowed the lawn. And when I was coming back around the first, the first quarter, and I just had like 10 minutes, so I couldn't mow the whole lawn. I came around and here, this gal was coming down the street on her bike and she asked me about Awana and her kids, you know, when, when is it going to happen? She wanted to think about sending her kids this year. God just puts us in these places and it's random. I mean, that day that I had to have a lot of faith to just start mowing the lawn because it was silly because I had to just stop right away. But God knew where he needed me when he needed me there. So uh, is that, does that sound kind of how it is for you, um, what I've just described? Sometimes it is. Some, uh, sometimes it's like um, you need to go over and just talk to that person. You know, mm-hmm. um, um, I had this opportunity, and I was going to talk about it a little later, but I'll talk about it now. I was finishing up a study on John, and the last part of John was Hebrews. And he, he had quoted some, the author had quoted something from Hebrews, and I just sat there and I thought, I said, you know, I really never studied Hebrews. But I had already purchased the book, and I, I believe it was on Joseph. I was going to look, study about Joseph. 
and and I had this sense of you have to get and study Hebrews. You have to do this. And so I dropped everything, ordered the book on Hebrews, that this particular author that I like, and I get into Hebrews, and I'm in Hebrews 1-3 when he talks about Jesus reflecting God's light. And lo and behold, I had just had lunch with a friend who was preparing a new Bible study on the light of God. So hmm. I sent her that along with the paragraph that the author had w- when he gave his discussion about that part of the verse. So she ends up discussing uh, uh, with the retreat um, coordinator out in Minnesota. She mentions this to her. They have a conversation. The retreat coordinator ends up putting Hebrews 1-3 in the flyer for the retreat and look at how long God led everybody down a path. And the cool thing is we have no idea who God wants to see or hear that voice or who he wanted to go to that retreat. But the fact that everybody listened to God's voice and handed that path around, isn't that cool the way he works? It is so cool. And just like, you know, just like sitting with him in the morning and letting him talk, having a, having a conversation with God instead of just always talking to him about what I need, you know, to have him be, have his time to share with my heart what he needs from me, you know, or to just give me this huge hug and say, here, these verses are for you. Um, it, it's such a two-way, it's a communication. And I, I think that a lot of times it's not that way. And it gets a very um, bookish and and not personal but just if you think about it jesus came to show us the personal side of god that he wanted to have a two-way conversation relationship with us and so to just be willing to listen and unlike unlike you i have had some bad things happen to me when i followed god but not bad for eternity just feeling bad you know and i think that you know if we watch like stephen in the new testament or different people uh, even all the disciples pretty much had pretty torturous deaths. And, um, you know, you, you think about how, you know, it isn't always going to turn out uh, picture perfect the way that we thought it would turn out or hoped it would turn out or even <laughs> we're hoping, you know, dreaming it might turn out. But yet if we're walking with God, it's going to turn out good from an eternal perspective. And we can just trust that. And then the other thing is that I, I wouldn't even have the courage to do it unless I knew that he was going to be, underneath me like this big safety net and if i miss mm-hmm. if i missed it if i misunderstood or something it's okay he he brings good out of everything i yield to him whether or not i did it right it isn't about my hearing right and doing right and everything it's like a parent with a child um who's learning to walk or learning to listen you know they don't expect perfection and god does not expect us to understand every last thing especially especially during the learning stages when we're just first starting to hear his voice a lot of times we get it wrong, but that's okay. He's still oh, bigger absolutely. than that. Oh, absolutely. That's a, absolutely because he's still smiling at us. He still loves us. It's not going to take right. away his love for us. God could never do that. Yeah. He would never remove his love from us. Absolutely. It's a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's inviting us into his work. That's that's how I see it. I see it as me being a little toddler and just messing it up and not really, you know, I'm more trouble than I'm worth, I'm sure, all the time. But yet, because he loves me and because he wants to have a relationship to me, he's like, come help me with this. Come help me with that. Come help help me do this. And so he uses my body, my brain, my personality that he gave me, and then he gets his work done through me. And like I said, you know, I think, you know, I think, I think it's got to be more hassle than it's worth. But at the same time, as a parent, I understand, you know, you just want to be with your kids. Well, true, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't let us fall and doesn't let us skin our knees, we're right. not going to learn, learn and grow and develop, and that's what he wants do we more grow? than anything. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, it, and 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 the thing that we're really developing and growing into is more dependence on him. You know, that's that's his his ultimate goal is that we be completely dependent on him. And so, whenever there's self mixed into the process, you know, a lot of times um, we do fall and skin our knees and. Even when there's not self mixed in, you know, I think uh, it's just part of the part of the learning process. It's it's like an Olympian, you know, getting ready for the getting ready for the races. They're gonna have they're gonna have injuries. They're gonna have uh, wounds, even if they're doing everything the best they possibly can that day. 
Oh, absolutely. That's that's just the nature of life. That is the nature of our growth in God. That is the nature of our life on this earth. It's trying, getting bruised, and getting back up. Yeah, which kind of feeds into the next point we were going to talk about. It's how to focus on process over performance. And I think this is this is so huge. I I really believe it is. And what I have observed in my 63-plus years of it on this planet mm-hmm. is that the faster that we go through life, the fast pace of life and the fast pace of change, the more that happens, more and more and more and more and more and more and more, the more people tend to focus on performance over a process. You know, because let, let, let's look at it this way, Marnie. No matter what we do, whether it's writing an article, whether it's developing a curriculum, whether it's competing in a bench press competition, the most visible aspect of everything we do is the performance. People just see the end result. And people don't want to go back and take the time to look at the process. Now, I understand that sometimes process can get in the way of performance. But there are new tools out there and there are new ways to include process without sacrificing performance. For example, one of the uh, the really big um, projects that I did in the FBI was a huge distance learning project in the late 90s. It, It won all types of awards. And I actually used all four levels of Kirkpatrick's training evaluation in this process. And I had to give the students a pretest. Well, there was no way I was going to tell the students it was a pretest. The minute you get that four letter word test out there, everybody goes through the roof. They stress out. So I called it a pre course knowledge survey. They're like, oh, okay, we could take this survey. That's not a big deal. But the power of doing the pretest and getting the data was the minute I got the data, I got out of there. I, did, I got away from interfering with the process of learning. I get the, go in, get the data, get out. And so over the course of my career when I was developing curriculum, I acquired a reputation of if Pat asked us to do something to prove the training is good, she's only going to ask us the bare minimum and then leave us alone. And people are willing to accept that. And so, you know, it, it's, it's like powerlifting. You know, I follow a process each and every single time I take a lift on the bench. Even when I'm training in the gym, my process is exactly the same. And what happens is by doing that process, I put it in, it go, grows into my subconscious. And the first time I really came to realize the power of process in powerlifting was when I competed in Prague in 2013. Now, when you compete in powerlifting competitions, bench press competitions, there are commands that the judges give you. And you have to follow the commands. If you jump a command or miss a command, your, your lift doesn't count. I got off that platform, I did three lifts in the bench, and I don't ever remember hearing any of the commands because I followed the process. And Mm -hmm. so I encourage people to put processes in place, even if you do them on your own. You know, put them on the side. Try to stick to a process because your outcome is going to be much stronger than if you just get up there and say, well, anybody can stand in front of a classroom and teach. Anybody can, you know, develop a distance learning product. We're just going to jump in and do it. Well, there are some processes that would make your product a little more successful if you followed them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, it's so, so great. This is super uh, to think about. And we're we're just going to take one last little break and come back. We still have, uh, we get to hear Patricia's infinity formula for personal development, as well as five indispensable face lessons. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
there is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. You're visiting us today at Marnie's Friends with the topic success strategies. Our guest today is Patricia Board of BenchPressingFaith.com. Patricia, let's talk about uh, your infinity formula for personal development. I've not heard of this until I met you. So tell us a little about that. Well, the infinity formula basically does not include the word failure. I don't believe in the word failure. I don't believe that people fail. I think that people do things in their life, create circumstances that may work better than others, but they don't fail. So um, if you're doing something and um, it didn't go as you planned, I always encourage people, and I do this with myself and I've raised my son this way, you know, take a step back and say, okay, what about the outcome of my decision or my actions didn't go the way I wanted them to or had an, an, an unintended consequence or an unexpected consequence. Well, did you like that outcome? Well, no. Okay, so let's back up. Let's change some strategies. Let's, let's go back and we'll try again and try again. I mean, it goes back to the old adage of Thomas Edison. You know, it took him a thousand attempts to create the light bulb. And when he was being interviewed by a reporter, the reporter said, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And Edison said, I didn't fail yeah. a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. You know, and, and I think as, as people leading people, if we take the word failure out of our vocabulary and we instead focus on developmental opportunities, it creates a more uh-huh. positive environment. You know, I read a story once about this gal. When she came home from school, her dad, the first question he would ask her every single day, so how many failures did you have today? Awesome. Let's uh-huh. talk about them. Because it's embracing the fact that we aren't 100% perfect. And we're never going to be 100% perfect. Only God is perfect. But we can create opportunities to make ourselves better. Just like when we walk in God's word. If we didn't, if we didn't follow his prompting one time, okay, we're not a failure. We sit back. We say, okay, I missed it that time. Hit me up again, God, because I want to try again. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like to define failure as feedback. That's what I just say. Failure equals feedback. It's just providing me information. And just the other day, uh, my sister shared with me a quote from Bob Goff, which says, God finds us in the holes we dig for ourselves. Where we see failures, he sees foundations. You know, and he's just not put out by this at all. It's just part of the process. It's only us who get really ticked off by it and set back by it if we allow it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I encourage all young parents out there to to start incorporating this into, you know, into your child's life. And it helps with their self-esteem and it gives them, it creates courageous, courageous children. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to be honest with them yourself, too, this is where I felt, this is, I was trying to do this, this is what happened, this is what I learned, you know, I mean, just to be honest with them, too, that you're not, everything isn't just goldenly working perfectly for you all the time, and then that helps to put things into perspective for them. Well, I don't want us to run out of time before we get to these five indispensable faith lessons, so Patricia, take us away. Okay, the first one, which we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but it is one of my faith lessons, and that is one that God wants to communicate with us. I mean, we established that. We talked about it. He loves us. You know, spend time in his word. Meditate on his word. Talk with him. Observe your circumstances. Spend time with other godly people. He wants to talk with us. The Holy Spirit wants to talk with us. After all, God left his advocate, the Holy Spirit, for us. When Jesus went back up to heaven, Jesus left him here. So let's take advantage of that. 
The other mm-hmm. one that we spent some time talking about that I phrased differently here is is that faith is an action verb as well as a noun. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say we have faith, but how are we demonstrating that faith? Are we walking in love? You know, I mentioned about, um, you know, my study of Hebrew, you know, and how that change just went on and on and on. And in that case, God gave me a little little window into how he walked that through various other Christians. And God doesn't always do that. Um, right. In August, I, I had some health issues this summer. And in August, um, I was, uh, was about a month out from Bench Nationals, and I was really thinking about pulling the plug and not going, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, God, I just, I just don't know if I can do these Bench Nationals. And, and so I said that. I talked to him about it before I went to the gym. Had an amazing training session. And as I'm walking mm. out of the gym and going into the car, he said, I need you at the gym. I need you to go to that meet. Well, that's all I need to know. <laughs> so I awesome. don't know why. But right. our job right. is to listen and to act. Now, we can't right. earn our way by, to heaven by acting. And that only comes from right. belief in Jesus. But we need to act as well. Right. Uh, I always I like God. to say I like to say um, the phrase um, heaven will tell, you know. I mean, sometimes some of the things like you say, some of the things you're investing into so deeply, you don't see immediate results at all. But if you're just following along with Jesus where He's leading you, heaven will tell. You'll you will you will have the results. You will see. So just keep on keep on keeping on. Okay, what's number three? <laughs> Absolutely, um, God's love is limitless. Limitless. Who else, think about this, who else would send his one and only son to die for our wretched sins? Right, right, right. That is the most powerful thing to think about. You know, um, uh, Max Licato, he calls calls John 3.16, where God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that, that, that Bible verse, he calls that, the gem of the Bible. And he's right. How could yeah. anyone love us any more than that? Right. I mean, that, yeah. that, that is just so powerful. Um, and along the lines that God's love is limitless, the bottom line is love. Yeah. God is love. Mm-hmm. And, and I can attest that God came to me in dreams I got to feel his physical presence in my body, and it is the feeling of love. Love is who he is, not like us fickle humans who could turn it on and off. Right. You know, we love somebody one minute and we hate him the next. Love makes up God's being, and we need to remember that in John, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. God is love. If you don't, if you do not love, you don't know God. Because God is love. Yeah. Love that. And and my last fifth point is we have to share God's light. You know, um, our job is is to spread his word, to share his light. Once Jesus proclaimed that he was the light of the world, he started talking about Bible verses and parables where he talked about, you know, putting putting a basket over the light. You don't want to hide the light. Our job is to go into the world and to preach the gospel to everyone. I mean, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he was in essence passing us the, his baton. Our job is to share his light. And that is of what is of most importance in this world. I just love that so much. So I have a question that um, is, is just, I'm just curious about it. So you're in your 60s and you're doing all this bench press um, competition and stuff. Is that, like, are you the typical age of women in bench pressing? Um, no, I'm atypical. Um, but there are more and more women, older women, competing in bench pressing. Um, we are set, when you compete, you compete against your weight bracket and your age bracket. Um, there are more and more women competing in their um, 50s 
and in their 60s. Mm-hmm. We have some 70s. I've met a few 80s. Oh, who are competing my. In the bench. Yes, they're competing in the bench press in their 80s. I mean, we're not lifting um, any Mack <laughs> trucks anywhere. But yeah. um, you work hard, you train hard, and it's all about, hmm, did we hear this before? It's all about the process. It's right, all the process right. of, of improving and developing ourselves mm. and forming relationships. And, you know, I, I have just had the time of my life since I started doing this. That is so fun. That is so fun. That well, so fun. I, well your, uh, I, your, uh, your background has really um, been uh, diverse, uh, diverse, and God has given you has given lots you of opportunities, lots to, of be opportunities to be in places where maybe – a lot of other people couldn't ever guess. <laughs> well, I'm just following God's God's will and what he will have me do. He will have me do, you know, I'll keep lifting. I'll keep sharing his word. And uh, I am so blessed and honored that he has asked me to do this for him. Uh, I get uh-huh. more out of it than you would. You can't imagine how much I get out of doing this as well. It refreshes yeah, my so soul. Fun. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much for being here. You guys want to stop by Patricia's website, benchpressingfaith.com. Patricia, is it mostly about bench pressing, or what are they going to find over there? Um, They're going to find some things about bench pressing. They're going to find some of my competition videos. They're going to find um, information about my book, Bench Pressing Threads of Faith. Um, They can also hop over to um, Facebook. Uh, where I announce my retreats and speaking engagements and stuff like that. Uh, we're going to start looking at revamping the website soon, so I'm looking forward to that project. Um, mm. But please reach out. Uh, there's an email on there where they can reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you from from some of the listeners. And your Bench Pressing Facebook, um, is that a devotional, or what kind of a book is that? It's the story of... Um, the th- my journey in my f- in, on three threads that God has had me on in my life, my health improvement, the development of my faith, and my foray into powerlifting, and how he has tied those three threads together. And um, it's, it's that story. Uh, you know, I mentioned the dreams. They're in there. And how, it all, how God has woven that all together. Oh, so cool. Well, thank you for your life. Thank you for uh, being available as a speaker over at womenspeakers.com. Thank you for being here today. Such a delight to interview you. Well, I greatly appreciate having a chance to chat with you, Marnie, and giving me this opportunity. And let us just all remember that everything is for the greater glory of God. And so this, my, my presence here today is for his glory. Oh, amen. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for being here. Just can't have a radio show without listeners. And it's so fun to have you be here. And uh, so many of you here again, we just be the top show on Blog Talk Radio during our live program. Thank you to those who listen to the archives around the, around the web. And for those of you who host us, so grateful, so grateful. Lots of great stuff coming up. Lots of big changes coming up. And so stay tuned, and we will keep you abreast of all of that. And until next time, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next week at Marty's Friends. Bye-bye. Minutes with Marty is my per-minute coaching service. Whenever you feel stuck, have an idea you want to run by me, need to pick my brain, or would like me to edit your one-page or media pitch, just schedule a 15- to 60-minute session using the Easy Calendar tool at Marnie.com. I'm so grateful that you're here with us today, and I hope to connect with you one-on-one soon. Visit Marnie.com, that's M-A-R-N-I-E.com, to schedule your coaching session right now. ready to experience your best life possible and share biblical success principles with others register for the spy coach certification program today spy or spi stands for success principles intensive it's a six-hour online program that equips you to fully comprehend and train biblical success principles you can check it out today over at marnie.com it's available as part of the mentorship program or you can buy it as a standalone certification program learn more now at marnie.com that's m-a-r-n-i-e.com